Welcome to the Spinster Life Podcast. I'm here with Mary Delia Allen, and she is the author of Enjoy Your Solo. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm excited. I am excited too. There are there's so many different kinds of books about being single. Yours has a message. Yours has something to to teach people. So I'm very excited to talk about <laughs> yeah. how how you came to this space as one of the pioneers of the single lady space, your journey towards writing this book, your process in writing this book, and what you want readers to take away. So let's start with your single story. Oh, well, my single business story, how I got involved in the singles business is I am an event planner and on-site logistics events person. And I used to take people who were single on vacation. So I was the host of the trip and you could sign up alone and you came on vacation with me. And the goal was you would come alone, but we would turn you into a group and there was no matchmaking. The focus was on people who love to travel and people who were single and didn't want to travel by themselves. They wanted it to be more fun or they wanted it to be safer when they were traveling. The company is called Singles Travel International and it is excellent. Um, I worked for them for 10 years and it's a great solution if you're newly single and want to take a trip, but you don't want to do it by yourself at first. You can come with the singles. So while I took them on vacation, I was, I was like, I'm going to write a book someday. And someday came. Also, I was raised with a incredibly traditional you find a husband and he buys you a house and you have a baby and that will be happiness and security, which from my depression here appearance was wonderful and excellent advice, but times have changed. So I had this traditional message and here I was with the singles having a blast. And I thought this is coming. This change in the singles market is coming. Um, and it's more, it's here more and more every five years. 48% of U.S. adults are single. 30% of U.S. households are one person living alone. And so things have changed. So one of the ways that I define it is, you know, when it was caveman time, like the Flintstones, you had to couple up so you didn't get eaten by the saber-toothed tiger. And then there was Bridgerton times where you had to couple up so that you had the women had no money or no power and the men needed the children. So that forced the marriage issue. And then in Mad Men times, obviously my degree in education is from Netflix, but in Mad Men times, <laughs> mine is too. <laughs> you, had to get, you had to get married because that was the social norm. None of that applies anymore. That was all very relevant at the time, but now you can do anything and still be single. You can have a baby, you can be happy, you can buy a house, you can travel around the world. It's being partnered is no longer synonymous with security and happiness. I would 100% agree, except that I would say that this version of the perfect family has always been a construct. It's just been so heavily reinforced, and we've just recently started to push back against this construct and say, does it have to be this exact way? Right. That's another thing that's happening is families look different. And one way a family can be is, I call it in the book, I call it a family of one. I am a family of one. If, and I really feel this way if you're a young person. You know, you use the word spinster, and I like that word for a lot of reasons. And I chose the word solo because I wanted it to be defined differently. This is just a fleeting, precious time in your life that you're by yourself. I'm not saying you're gonna be single forever. If you still want someone to ride up on a horse, like in the Taylor Swift song, I want that for you. But before that, are we just gonna spend all our time thinking about partnership? Also, you can be dating someone and still have a solo. A solo is, I am a family of one, addressing my own needs with my own resources. That is a perfect explanation of, <laughs> um, of what this can be that takes away all of that stigma of loneliness. 
or like you're some kind of like weird loner, like you're disconnected from anything. So that stems from that lonely, that cat lady or the grouchy bachelor, get off my lawn. That came from when you had to be coupled up for survival. And so the people who were left out were maybe quirky or were outside of the norm or were doing something different. So that's where that comes from. But now singles are 48% of the population. We are not quirky. That's untrue anymore. It is funny to say that because I would say that that stigma, that vision we have in our head of a single person still is that quirky or desperate, or we still have these ancient outdated stereotypes that don't match with the actual demographics of what we're seeing. What my parents were telling me and get married, they meant be safe, be have someone take care of you. Those are wonderful things, but now times have changed and you can do that for yourself. And the better you do that for yourself, the better partner you would be, I would say. So there's one thing about- I would 100% agree. There's one thing about being single. And then sort of the next layer is there's this aggrandizement of romance and partnership. And it's going to be so perfect. And I won't have these problems when I have a partner. I won't grow without a partner. Comparison is the thief of joy. And comparing the worst parts of being single with the best parts of being in a couple is just a recipe for your own unhappiness. Sure, there are great times where you're happy and you're holding hands and you're kissing and walking on the beach together and you're laughing. But those aren't the only things that you're going to encounter in a relationship. You're going to encounter someone else's expectations, someone else's ideas, someone else's feelings that maybe like you're just, you are having your own feelings and you can't deal with that in the moment. There's, it's work. It's, it's a lot of work. And I believe that any relationship is work. Additionally, there's work in being a solo. All that effort that you're looking forward to putting into a relationship Put it into yourself just a little bit and see what comes back to you. I do think that, it, especially at the beginning of your time as a solo person, like this is something that that I had to really come to the realization that you do have to put in a little bit of work in the relationship with yourself. You really have to establish that relationship with yourself when you're coming into it from a different kind of perspective of my relationship with someone else is the one that's going to define me instead of how I relate to myself is the way that I'm going to define me from here on out. And I think that's an ethereal way to think about it. And that is important. How am I defining myself? But I think that there's also some very practical things in a solo. How am I going to take care of myself? How, what are my rituals for the weekend? What are my goals for getting things done? What vacations do I want to take? How do I have the resources of time and money? How am I spending them? You would make that decision as a couple in a couple. You still have to have those meetings with yourself. If you're going to be alone for the holidays, it's not a river taking you where you can't control. You decide what you want. You can say, I am the only person I answer to. And I think Christmas decorations are dumb. I'm not going to do it. Enjoy yourself. It's totally fine. But you have to ask yourself, what's motivating me? Do I want to do this for Christmas? Do I want a tradition with myself? What, just the way you would with a couple. Just because it's just you, you still have to ask and consider and answer those questions for yourself. Absolutely. And how empowering is that to just say, this is what I want and I'm going to make it instead of having all of those like family traditions or traditions that you had as a couple dictate what you want to do, even if it's not working for you anymore. Wait, so one of the examples is if you're a Christmas person, I mean, not to keep using Christmas, but Christmas, then you want a Christmas tree and this is how I want my Christmas tree to be. And this is how it should be. You're going to have that same conversation with a partner. 
as you just had with yourself. I'm talking about being the head of your own household, being that as a single person, you're a family of one for this season. And you should address it just the way a head of a family would. We have time resources. We have money resources. How are we spending them to make ourselves happy? Yes. Instead of sitting alone and feeling sorry for yourself. Or even just the weekend. So what are you doing this weekend? Nothing. Yeah. Myself, not doing anything. And then Monday comes and all you did was scroll and lay around and blah. And if you want to scroll and lay around, yeah. But say, I'm spending the weekend. I'm I call it a party of one. I'm having a party <laughs> of one in my home and I'm going to wear my favorite pajamas and I'm going to catch up on the housewives and I'm going to, or whatever. Yeah. Make a plan and embrace it and say, I'm spending this time by myself. And time with myself, time with yourself isn't enjoyable. You better work on the two parties involved, which is you and yourself so yeah. that it is enjoyable. That's a you challenge. If you're like, oh, I don't like to be alone. That's you're saying I don't like to be with myself. That's crazy. It is insane. It's absolutely insane because you're the one who's always going to be there. No matter what else happens, we have to flip the script on finding love, surviving love, getting over the breakup, attracting someone, keeping someone. Those are all valid and wonderful topics. And I am not saying don't look for someone. I'm saying take 10 to 20% of your effort and say, what am I doing with my time by myself before I meet someone? And I think that actually is there in dating advice. Yeah. It's not at the forefront, but it is there of saying, have your own life, have your own interests. Have so this naturally leads us to the pressure of all the marketing. It's easier to sell to two than it is to sell to one. It's the story of boy meets girl, boy loses girl, boy gets girl back. That's an easy one to do. But the newer story is girls by herself and sees some people every once in a while and achieves some goals. That's doesn't quite fit into the Lifetime movie. And from a narrative perspective, I do get it. It is a lot more difficult to establish mm -hmm. conflict between one person. Not impossible. Obviously, we've definitely seen works of art that have a conflict of a person standing in their own way, but... Why does your only conflict have to be with your family of origin telling you what to do or your partner? There are all kinds of relationships people are having now. Right. Neighbors, friends, colleagues. There's... Uh, let's delve into those kinds of things. So I was lucky enough to be with Jennifer Weiner. This be with... I listened to Jennifer Weiner speak this summer. She began the heroine who was chubby. She began the different body images for the heroine. That was 20 years ago now, 2001, in her shoes is the book and the movie. And I asked her, I said, so, okay, we're allowed to be, we're allowed to have different body types now. When are we going to talk about something besides getting the guy? She used the phrase, getting the guy. I, yeah, I can see it happening. It's happening slowly. I know there are a couple novels out about women who were either getting married or solo marriage. It's an emerging field. I think it, once again, it is that marketing and it's creating that image around being single as something that's desirable, like the story around marriage and getting the guy, how that has been marketed for centuries. And one of the things I say in my book is it's one happy day, right? It's not your day. It's not your only day. It's not your, it's one happy day. If you're living a life that your wedding is your only happy, there was a time when all you did was work to survive the winter and till the soil. In that era, your wedding day was your happiest day. We got a way bigger world now. Can we please, yeah. embrace it? can we please see all the other happy days? I want that for all of us. I want um. that for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> Very much.
Actually, when I was with the singles, we were on cruise ship. So I've worn every dress there is to wear. I do not need to wear a wedding dress. I checked them all off in boxes. <laughs> on the high seas with the singles. So I'm good. <laughs> Did you ever officiate a wedding? That would be a different dress. I have never officiated a wedding, but I live on the beach in Fort Lauderdale and I am a public speaker. And I've thought I should get certified to do it because I think I would do. I am an a advocate for singles and the solo, but I am a lover of families and relationships and if you ask me, if you say, should I? I say, yeah, jump in. If you think you should. If we can just talk about the 20s, the median age to get married is 27 to 33. So what are you from 18 to 27? What are you from 18 to 33? Are you allowed to have a solo? Because you should be, and it should be celebrated. You should. And if you want to have a solo beyond that, you should also have that. But I, you know, I'll talk to my nieces and nephews. They'll be like, I'm dating someone. I'm like, well, are you paying bills and putting a household together? Then you're a solo. You should be building a solo and being responsible for yourself, even if you have a partner. Yeah. I, especially as someone who's just really learning about themselves, that is the worst time to lose yourself in a relationship or to prioritize dating over everything else. Yeah. It should be a different kind of dating. It should be a dating of who am I? Who are you? How is this? But I I say over and over again, I have no dating advice. That's not my area of expertise. My area of expertise is what to do when you're not dating. So tell us a little bit about how you came to be an expert in this area. So I always felt that my singlehood was sort of highlighted and I always was fearful that I wouldn't connect with anyone and I wouldn't grow and I wouldn't build a life. So I just had a different road. And you know how they show those movies and they're from the 50s and the bride and groom or the bride runs away to become the flight attendant and she leaves the groom at the altar. And it's such a big deal at the time. And now people are like, who cares? She went and was the flight attendant. I feel like 25 years from now, people are gonna be like, oh yeah, you wrote a book about being single. Of course she did. I mean, I hope that, but that's why we need to say this so that we get to that place. A million percent, a hundred years ago, homosexuality was vilified. And now we're having parades and corporate days of pride as we should. And I think the single, I think singles is going to go the same way. I really do. I do too, because it has to, right? If there are so many people that are single, that number 48%, that's only going to rise. The other number is the millennials report that 25% of them say that they will never marry. 25% say they will never marry. The numbers in 1972 when I was born 50 years ago, the number was less than 10% of people never married. So yeah. that's a gigantic jump in not that long of a time. Culture hasn't caught up quite yet, but I, I believe that it's going to very quickly. I Yeah, I would say that Gen Z is even less likely to want to adhere to any kind of structure at all. They're just so much more likely to want to identify differently, more likely to want to have a different kind of family. A lot of the people in Gen Z are already saying that they want to be child-free and that they prefer dogs or, or other kinds of ways to, you know, kind of have that, have that caring role in their lives, but not have to bring a whole human into a world right. that right. is is it's in flux. We don't know what's going to happen in the next few years. And, and I get being a really, really young person and going like, what, what is there going to be for me? So I think another reason that the story is so of a couple is so powerful is because the thing that it promises to provide you is love and validation. Those are so, those are human and important. And my argument is love and validation is available to you 
always put yourself out there. And I don't mean go to a singles event and make friends as an extrovert. I mean, extend yourself to others. Be a good friend, be a good daughter, be a good sister, be a good student, be a good teacher, and extend yourself in your community. How can I serve? How can I do something different? And even if your service is, I'm really going to hold space for healing for that person, or I'm going to make a point to be sure to follow up with someone, or I did not raise children. So I didn't have that busy era of the kids and the diapers and the, I didn't do that. But I have tried to be a family member in another way. I've tried to have relationships with different families and be a part of different families, intimate, son, oh, I'm these here for dinner. I really, I chose that for myself. Um, and that's plenty of love and validation. It, it really is. And this even comes down to a, a, something as simple as a social event. You know, if you go to a social event with a partner, you have to say, when do you want to leave? Do you want to go? Do you want to be here? Or the other person says, oh, I love it here. It's so exciting. And you have to negotiate that. When you're there by yourself, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. And you could talk to every single person there. You can have a diverse set of friends. You don't have to say to your partner, hey, um, a needlepoint friend is going out with her needlepoint friends. Do you mind if I leave you? And they're going to, you could just go. You don't have to. So you have more. And I sometimes this gets wrapped up in a, you have to be an extrovert and you have to be social. I just mean, I can't remember the author's name. She wrote the reasons why you're not married. She said, you do not have to carry your feelings around in a baby viewer. You can get beyond your feelings and think about how other people feel. And that's where the love and validation is. And it's always available to you. Yes. That is such a great point and great way to think about it. And just so different than what we were taught that that having a man choose you and it's a very heteronormative thing to say but that was kind of right. always the well, message like, okay so that's one way to think of it the other way to think of it is i am in a couple i am validated you have married someone you uh, society recognizes that you came down the path you took the next step listen i bought a home. I sold a home. I had a fire. I had a house burned down. I got a master's degree. I started a business, did all those things and no one threw me a shower. What are we doing here? And we'll see if society changes. I actually, I know somebody, the reason I thought of a fire is a friend of mine is a single mom by choice and she had a house fire and they threw her a post fire shower. Like, okay, well, we're coming, on, we're coming over with some Cuisinarts and some espresso pots. <laughs> I mean, right. we have to change the Right. What is what do we celebrate? What do we celebrate? Do we celebrate two people getting married, which anybody can do? Or do we celebrate you surviving this really disruptive life event and coming out on the other side? So I know someone who uh, decided not to go through with her very traditional party. And her parents said, we are thrilled you're making this choice. We'll throw the party anyways. We will throw the, you didn't marry the wrong one party. I would love to attend that party now. The point of enjoying your solo, embracing your solo, having a solo is that it's gonna keep you from making some life choices that are not gonna serve you in the future. It's gonna keep you from marrying that wrong person. It's gonna keep you from caving to, to pressures and just going through with something that you know isn't right for you. So you have to make what you have with yourself, right? And feel great because maybe you won't get married. Maybe it won't work out. Maybe, but you always have yourself. The investment you make in spending time with yourself, building a life with yourself is pays dividends endlessly and it pays them to you. Yes. You are the person who receives the most from 
putting the time into those actions, thoughts, rituals. And I believe it in a very practical way. How are you spending your weekend as a single? How are you spending your vacation time? What are you doing? Do you know what makes you happy? Do you know how to calm yourself? Do you know how to comfort yourself? Do you know how to, do you have a circle of friends? One of the things I talk about in the book is I talk about friends as allies and friends as, you know, if you don't have a partner, you have to make all the decisions yourself, which is a challenge. So I believe in kind of a board of directors. I believe in really having people in your life that can help you. I tell the story in the book, I was moving a family member into assisted living. It was a high emotion time. It was difficult. I was doing it by myself. It was during COVID. And the person asked for a lamp with really good lighting. And I was like, oh, okay. So I looked on the internet and the first thing I found was like $500. And I just texted a friend who's an engineer out of the blue and was like, will you please help me? And it immediately came back. Here it is. It's on Amazon. It's great. Like I've bought 47 of them since. <laughs> you don't have to do everything yourself if you're single. If you cultivate other people in your life, there's the other example I use is I had termites in my Florida condo. And I just went to the old man neighbor and was like, what are you doing with the termites? Come do it at my house. <laughs> it all out yourself. The world is a welcoming and bountiful place if you are living, if you are making a contribution and getting it back. Once again, that's sort of contrary to all the marketing we've been fed, that your person, once you find them, should be your everything. But that's not healthy in a relationship. Yeah, it's not healthy for you as a single person to also depend on yourself for literally everything. Literally everything. I did have a fire in my condo and it was very serious and a big, huge deal. And I was single, you know, not an expert on what the heck, the fire, the insurance, the deal. So I reached out to just the four or five people closest to me. I was like, anybody know anything about a fire? One friend was like, oh yeah, Uncle Tom, who comes to my 4th of July barbecue that you've met seven times, is an arson investigator. And I reached out to him and he helps me. Now, had I been in a couple, would I have taken that extra step? Or would I have just said the two of us are going to figure it out? No, you, the world's bigger than that. So right, a good example of your circle has more in it than you think. There's plenty of people to help you. So let's talk more about Enjoy Your Solo. Tell us when the idea for the book entered your mind. So I journaled for a long time on the topics that are covered within Enjoy Your Solo. And there's certainly some personal stories of mine. And I was like, I should write a book. I should, the singles need a book. I was familiar with all the other books for singles out there. I am a devotee of personal development. That's why 10,000 hours, you know, you can't do anything without the $10,000. My 10,000 hours was reading the personal development books and I was interested and I felt very strongly that I had a message. 10 years worth of journals and talking about it, for sure. And then March of 2020, the beginning of March, I said, I'm going to go away to a hotel for the weekend and see if it's if I've got something or not. So I did that. And I said, yeah, all right, I have something here. And I am I'm very proud of the message. And I've heard positive feedback. And the most... The most Common feedback is you should have written this for everybody. You should have written mm. that for everyone. Well, yeah. Tell us a little bit more about who you had in mind while you were writing it, because I would argue that your message is for everybody. It is for everyone. Yeah. I wanted to talk about what happens when you're not finding love when you're single. If you don't have a partner, what do you do with all that time that you don't spend searching for someone? And one of the things I talk about is there's a concept called light pollution. And light pollution is when you're in the city the bright lights of the city and you look up at the sky, you can see the moon and maybe you can see like two or three stars. 
where three stars. But if you go where it's dark, if you go out to the sea where it's dark and you look up, there's a million stars. That's what being single is like. You got to turn down the light of relationships and the comings and goings and your ex and who am I going to find next? You got to turn that light down and then it has to be dark and you have to wait for your eyes to adjust. And you have to see your stars. And I can't tell you what your stars are in your solo, but I can tell you how to go out into the dark and look up. That is a beautiful metaphor. Thank you. <laughs> that is it. absolutely stunning. How is that advice not for everybody in many situations, not just being single? There are a lot of situations where you just need to turn down all the background noise. It's hard. It is hard. It's I say. It's scary right. to go out of the boat by yourself and go out in the dark. I promise there'll be stars. That's, <laughs> that's, that's hard. And you have to be brave and you have to believe that there are stars, but there are, I promise you, there are. And your stars aren't necessarily another human being. Your stars are hobbies. Your stars are your other relationships in your life. You can turn up the volume on those other relationships. One of the things I say when you talk about hobbies is I say, if I promised you that 365 days from today, your perfect partner was coming and you would be, they would be with you until the hour of your death. And I, that's going to happen for you 365 days from now. Now I want you to make a list of not your non-negotiables, but your things that you like, your sports teams, your, oh, I like to watch Notre Dame games. I like a leisurely breakfast. I like to get to the airport late. I want brunch instead of dinner. Make all that, make that list and imagine that 40% your partner won't like. How would you change your life? What if you marry somebody that doesn't like to travel and you love to travel and you spent all that time being single and you didn't go anywhere? Who's the fool? Right. You are silly. Pack your suitcase. You are. <laughs> the other thing <laughs> we talked earlier, the, you know, I met, actually, I met this lady. I was at a book signing. This lady came up and she was, you know, maybe in her 60s and glamorous and fit and together and with us. Oh, I just said, oh, I'm really good with being single. I'm fine with having, without having a partner. It's fine. She's like, until I walk into the door alone to my house. And I said, would you like me to call every mom with children under five and have them tell you how they feel about walking into an empty, quiet house <laughs> as they left it? I mean, and who's to say you're going to have a partner who runs to the door when you come in? You have to find peace. Ever you are complaining about and being single, whatever it is, challenge yourself and say, are we sure a partner's going to take care of that? Don't look at the hedges and go, oh, I should cut them myself. Maybe you'll get somebody next to you who's like, I'm not cutting them. What were, who's to say a partner's going to solve any problem you imagine they will solve? And I do understand that this is a very evocative feeling walking into an empty house. And I get that that does bring up different things for different people. Because for me, that sounds amazing. I love an empty house. I <laughs> I do too. I, I the, like what you said about coming back and everything is where you put it. Everything right. is where you want it. That That is a great feeling. I talked to a friend of mine who is a gentleman and he is like, I'm off the dating game. He said, I want to leave my shoes and I want to leave my underwear. And I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> fair, 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 fair. And he figured out a way to, to have that. That is one perk of staying single is your living face being the way that you want it to and not able to compromise on that. All the money is yours. All of the time is yours. All of the outcomes are yours. If you want to be healthier, be healthier. You want to have more money, you can do that. And there's no other factor of what another person does to hold you back or make those goals not get met. And that is what we call self-reliance. And that is one of the greatest gifts that you can give yourself being solo. The more 
you delve into your solo and delve into yourself, the more you know what you're good at and what you're not good at, what you like to do and what you don't like to do. Just like the holidays, I don't have anyone to cook for. I'm going to make cookies for everyone I know, and I'm going to give them out. Just because you don't have a traditional... Actually, I um, when I was in my younger 30s, I was struggling with these questions, you know, being single, being single. And one of the things I... One of the things I tell people to do is to be very specific. Don't just be like, well, who is your partner? Well, what is it that you wish about it? And can you give that to yourself in some way? What do you think you're missing? So I wanted to be the lady of the house. I wanted to do the dinner and I wanted to set the table and I wanted to. So I started a catering business of private parties and private homes. And I got, I lived in Chicago at the time and I worked in some of the most beautiful kitchens on the North shore of Chicago. And I was alone in the kitchen. I didn't have to pay the mortgage, but man, I got to enjoy that beautiful house and kitchen. And I, there's one couple I did their rehearsal dinner and I was opening their wedding gifts. They were like, just keep a list. And I was like, okie dokie. So <laughs> I never got married, but I sure opened several things of China. They're like, anything that looks like China, open it. And I was like, okay. So what is it? Be very specific with yourself. What And it took me a while to come to, I wanted to cook and I wanted to, that was revered in my family. I wanted the holiday table. I wanted to be the boss of the menu. I'm, I still don't allow anyone in my kitchen. It's just something that's important to me that I like. And if you can identify that and you can serve it in another way, it's great. It's really great. That is one of the best parts about finding your solo, enjoying being single, is really getting to know yourself. And to know these things about yourself, like how much easier is it to fulfill any need that you have if you can identify like the exact thing? Let's take, for example, the guy who just wanted to leave his stuff all over. Is it is it just like the ease of just being able to like throw things everywhere? Is it like that luxury of, of just having all the space to yourself? Like, you know, what is it about that particular? Because like some that doesn't exactly make me happy. It's not that like I never leave my stuff all over. But like, what is it about that particular act? So that makes I've lived you happy. one time and sometimes I will think to myself, if a partner did that, that would drive me nuts. And here I am doing it myself, leaving the shoes somewhere or leaving. Yeah, I'll definitely go, oh, if a partner did that, I'd be mad. So one of the, when we talk about learning how to make ourselves happy, one of the, the things that I really like to emphasize is you're not trying to make yourself happy to the point that when you don't have everything just so, it's not good enough for you. So I talk about in the book, I used to go on a annual vacation with three guys I went to high school and their wives and small children. And I tried to be, actually, I can say I was super flexible. I was like, I get to have it the way I want it all the time. I'll sleep anywhere. I'll use any hours you want. Whatever the group wants, I'm going to do. Because 90% of the time, I can have it any way I want it. I think your muscle can atrophy your muscle of going along to get along and being flexible can atrophy. That's where we get the caricature of the single aunt who's so demanding. Aunt so-and-so showing up. These kids got to be quiet. We don't want to be that way. We want to be singles who say, I, I have it the way I want it all the time. And I'm going to be super flexible. And I'm going to be a great part of this travel group because I'll sleep in when I get home. I'll have it the way I want it the rest of the time. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Knowing how to draw that line between like, this is this is something that's not making me comfortable and I have to speak up for myself versus like, it's just not the way that I want it. So I'm just going to be demanding and I'm going to I'm going to use passive aggressiveness or some other like right. tool like that. Oh, I just can't possibly sleep if it's super dark. Well, 
I bet you'll sleep if you're tired. It's okay. Right. You know, you want to know how to make yourself happy, but not become overly demanding of others. Being able to just appreciate the time that you do have things the way that you like it. Right. To appreciate. I really come from a place of my cup is full because I do enjoy my soul and I do know how to make myself happy. So if things are not exactly as I wish them to be, when I go, I'd rather be with the group. I'd rather make that exchange. Then no one is standing in line to take care of you. So you should really be very aware of what you need to be comfortable, what you need to thrive, because no one's going to hand it to you. And this is something that everyone needs to learn. This is a life skill that everyone needs to learn, whether you're part of a couple or not. So you mentioned early or loneliness. So I do write a chapter on how to handle a lonely moment and how to handle a lonely life. And you know, a lonely life, you have to schedule yourself. You have to think of ways that you can interact with people that you're comfortable will make you happy. And I feel that it was one of the last chapters I wrote because I don't think loneliness is only people who are single. Everyone gets lonely. It's like hunger. And you have to be able to manage, manage is the wrong word. You have to be able to comfort yourself through loneliness. And the lonely times help you appreciate the times when you have lots of people around. And loneliness has a probably has a message for you. Rest, reevaluate, take a minute. Loneliness is not terrible. No, and we've been conditioned to think. Loneliness is awful. Yes. You have to address that. But I believe if anyone listens in there, the first thing that you can do for chronic loneliness is set a schedule and do the same thing outside of your home every time, every week. I go to the same coffee place on Saturday and you will develop a community there. And it doesn't even have to be a community of extroverted, huge interaction and communication. You will just develop a community. And you will ease your loneliness that way. Go to the same church service, go to the same restaurant, go to the, and you don't have to go to the Taj Mahal. There, every McDonald's in the country has regulars for coffee. They might be over 80, but <laughs> they're there. I would say probably every Starbucks does too. That is like a really easy step to ease people into who, who might not feel comfortable, who, who might feel that their singleness is something that's going to prohibit them from being a part of a community there's community there love and validation is available for you all day every day all the time you can give it to yourself you can be prayerful and mindful and meditative on someone's behalf you don't even have to necessarily interact with someone you can go out in a very simple way and just observe the world you can take a walk in nature and appreciate that boy, somebody cleared this path and somebody keeps this up nice and this is so terrific and there's families and there's people walking their dogs. Life is happening and I'm a part of it with just a simple walk in your neighborhood. Or you can say, I'm going to go out and go someplace public and go and interact and that's all available to you. And you are the only person who can decide what makes you feel good. Like There's no prescription. It's up to you. And you're only going to get to a place where you know what those things are by spending time with yourself. Spending time with yourself in the starlight. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, you got to kind of, it all takes a minute. Yeah. So yeah, tell us, you told us a little bit about the process of writing this book. Tell us a little bit more. Like, were there any, were there any challenges along the way? So the loneliness chapter was last. I mean, they were like, nothing about loneliness. I was like, oh, yes. (laughs) Um, 
my conservative, uh, someone conservative read it and they said, you got to rewrite the sex chapter. And the opening of the sex chapter is not everybody's doing it. For somebody who's newly single, who was partnered for a long time, they think, oh, I got to get on Tinder and be hooking up every day of the week. And that is not true. Not everybody's doing it. You can make whatever choices you want in that department. And as someone who's solo with no accountability to fidelity, you can do whatever you want. Abstaining from relationships and sex and partnering for a period of time, three months, six months, you're allowed to hear your own music. You're allowed to hear your own bowels. You're allowed to hear your own desires. And But you have to allow that. You have to allow the time and space for that. Yeah. Especially if you've been partnered for a while and you are used to having sex with one person and then right. to have, and Actually, then to like the way we did it, the way he wanted it, schedule that we established the first we were dating that was still the same five years later. Give yourself a six month break and see where your mind goes. Because you've grown and you've changed in that time. What do you want now that you're not having sex with that person? If sex is something that you like and you want to have a sex-only relationship, whatever you want. Grab, it is a buffet, grab a plate, grab two, <laughs> enjoy yourself. What Go back other, for thirds, fourths, what, fifths. Or whatever you wish. My other thing that I like to say is sometimes there's a smugness to people who are a couple. Like, oh, we're in a couple. That validation I was talking about, society validates us. We're mm -hmm. in a couple and you're single. And I always think to myself, my best sex could be my next sex, but you know what your next sex is like forever. And I have been in shorter term relationships where we did not have great sexual chemistry. And I've been in shorter term relationships where we had amazing sexual chemistry. And that kind of was the only thing that was working. It's so hard oh, to find somebody oh. that you're compatible with across the board with sexually, being able to compromise in a living space, interpersonally. I think it's really difficult to find someone who checks all of those boxes. At some point, you either you know, you pick and choose or you try and hold out for that mythical, magical unicorn. Or in this context, you know yourself well enough to know where you make yourself happy and where you need someone else. And instead of saying, well, I need you to check all these boxes, you can say to yourself, you know, I've been single for a long time and I, a lot of my boxes are checked. And so I'm really looking for fewer boxes. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. I'm good. But you know, I still have some space. I've got some boxes you could handle, but most of the boxes are good, which right. I think is a great place to be in. Yeah. And I, that's everybody should be as close to having as few boxes that they need checked as possible. There's the, the argument to be made is if you get married or you partner up very, very young or you partner up with a lot of similarities, you're starting from a different place. And that's okay. There's a million different ways to do it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think college is that place where those couples that are going to be together forever, like they just meet their person. I call them and the they... yellow and white kitchen people. <laughs> Tell me more. They're eighth grade and they're like, I'm going to have a yellow and white kitchen and the dog is going to wear this kind of collar on Christmas. And they have a very specific vision. I am teasing about that a little bit. <laughs> very far from my experience, but that's not less valid. No. If that's what your deal is and you're like, I don't want to go through this life alone. I want a person. I want to have children young. I want to do this. They start from a different box checking situation. They do. That's yeah. Great. But if you, if you're looking at 30 and 40, you better start checking your own boxes because as you age, you become who you are more that you don't necessarily need to have someone else check the boxes, but there's almost less, like you said, there's less room on the form. There's just less box boxes to check because you've, you've learned yourself, you know, yourself. Right. 
All right. So you had some trouble on the loneliness chapter. I didn't think of it as something that was exclusive to people who were single at all. I, everyone is lonely sometimes. So if you're lonely and single, do not attribute it. One of the mistakes I made when I was single is I blamed some regular life problems on being single. Well, this wouldn't be this way if I had a partner. I have like a Christmas version of seasonal affected disorder. I do not like Christmas. I have a hard time. <laughs> and if you ask, uh-huh. yeah, I I'm just, not a, I'm not a giant fan either. It's I just, I mean, I get sad. I get now I like Christmas carols and I like Christmas lights and I'm not going to hold anything against a cookie. I'm okay with Christmas cookies, but all the rest of it you can keep. I just, it's, I, there's something about it. And I was just like, hey, Christmas, because I don't have a partner. And that's not it. I just don't like it. You just don't like it. And it's also like, if a partner came along, it wasn't like I was going to start liking it or it was going to change. Well, going to my mother's house will be easier when I have a partner. Uh, No, it won't. It will be more difficult. This will be simple. I've already said it here, but like if your partner were coming for me, coming to you a year from now, so when I say that to you, does your brain go to, I better get skinny. I better quit smoking. I better clean the closet. I better, or uh, I'll deal with my finances when I partner. I'll get healthier when someone else is here. That's a bad path to go down. Why would you do anything for a partner that you wouldn't do for yourself? Do it for yourself. If you're doing it for someone else and you can become single at, at any point, Tragedies happen every day. People break up for no reason. Right. The all one of the thing time. That we didn't talk about that we haven't talked about thus far, and it's one of the first things that I talk about in the book is people are single for sad reasons. I mean, we're yeah. kind of having a very privileged conversation, like, oh, single, and it's a choice. People are single because they lost someone, there's illness, there's terrible reasons to be single. I talk about it like an ice cream store in winter. What we're talking about is what ice cream flavor would I like? But I recognize that there are times when people are having horrible winters of their life. Their job is healing, healing from whatever made them single. At the same time, if you break your leg or you do have an illness or and you're healing from that illness... You still watch TV, you still watch movies, you still have sandwiches. If you're healing from a sad reason that made you single, you can still spend some of your energy on, okay, well, I guess I'm going to have a solo and how would I make myself happy and what would that look like? I'm not saying it has to be the first thing on your list. Yeah. Certainly be part of your list in your healing. We probably should have put this further up, further to the beginning of this question, because I do, I'm very aware, as are you. We wish those people healing. There's still time. You can still watch a movie if you're recovering. This is the equivalent of watching a movie. What would my, what would a happy soul be like? You should have the tools to not grieve the part of you that is now single, and you should just be able to grieve the departure of the relationship. You should just be able to think about healing from not having that that person in your life. You should be grieving like. The, the absence of relationship in your life. The other thing is people don't plan to be single. There is an illness, whatever, they don't plan to get single. And there's a, kind of an old adage of just because you planned a vacation to Italy and then the plane lands in Alaska, don't miss out on Alaska. Don't be yeah. like, well, I suppose we have pasta. Like have some salmon. You thought you were going to be married forever and forever and forever. And now it turns out that you're solo and you never dreamed you would be. Well, you got to look around your single life and decide some good things about it. You can't just say, well, being in a couple is the only happiness there is because that's just not true. Yeah. And it's, I think it's like, you sh- you need to grieve that 
person. A million percent. Of course. And that's part of it. But yeah, they having to like now be faced with the possibility of being single and having that feel like this horrible, oppressive thing. We talk about grief surrounding singles. There's there's sort of a grief of, I call it the non-starter single. It can feel like getting married and getting in a partnership is some kind of graduation mm-hmm. around me is getting married. And there isn't a name for that grief. And there isn't a name for that sadness. And you, if you're the last one who's single, you're happy for your friends. And you don't want to be a person who's begrudges anyone their happiness when you think, what about me? Or why wasn't I picked? Or why? And that is a very, very real grief. And I feel that that is a grief that time heals. But also doing this kind of work and yeah, and checking in with yourself and what you really need and, and not buying into that marketing of the partnership is the thing that's going to make you happy. Or you don't even have to be like gloriously happy about things all of the time. You can just be content in yourself or just not miserable. I think just not miserable is a good goal. If you have the time to complain about being single, that means the other problems in your life are not that terrible. So that sounds great to me. (laughs) That sounds really good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that is such a, a good point. And that's a lot of people do get just stuck in that grief. And I think that's where I was for a really long time of it's very grieving a thing that that had never happened grieving this life, this life that I had in my mind that didn't happen. And you're sold this bill of good that like, well, that's magical. That's magical. Yeah. Right. That's validating. That's why I talk over and over again about love and validation. That's why it hurts so much. Cause it feels like following that traditional path of finding a partner and getting married and it's celebrated by weddings and rings and social thumbs up from near and far. And yet you are like, Oh, I'm still here building the left by myself. You don't get that same sort of support from society. Yes. You don't, there's not rituals around it. I would be very interested in that ch- if that changes in my lifetime, that we start having rituals around being single or... There are the sologamists, the people that are marrying themselves that are standing up and saying, I am going to have this ritual where I commit to myself. And I th- that's the one example that I can think of off the top of my head that is really concrete, but yeah, what what else could we do? Yes, you want to be in a partnership because society tells you to and you would like to fall in love with someone. That's great, but what else? What is it that bugs you? Do you want the house? Do you want the second car? Do you want someone to go on vacation with? Do you, what? Be very specific and see if you could fulfill that for yourself. Yeah, I mean, you've done a lot of these things. You bought the house yourself. So there are ways to, to get these things for yourself. There's literally nothing that you can't create and manifest in your own life that a couple has. I, I just, I simply don't believe that. The one thing, and I mean, and you have a friend who is a, a single mom by choice. I do understand having a, a partner and wanting someone else to help you carry that burden. A child is a, is a very big commitment and it is a lot of work, but you know, you also have a lot of great advice about building that community and building that support system so that it doesn't all fall to you. A million percent. And if you feel isolated as someone who's single, that isn't necessarily going to change if you meet one person and partner. Mm -mm. You have to build that community yourself. And you have to know what kind of community serves you. When I say community, I do not mean you have to be on a float on a parade every weekend. 
I'm saying your social needs have to be met and you have to figure out how to do it for yourself. Yeah. That is great advice for everybody, partnered, great advice single, because there's this myth that your, your person is your everything. They should be all of your socializing. They should be all of the emotional support. They should be able to fulfill everything. And that's too much to ask of one person. And people who come out of relationships and are newly single, they have the experience of, well, he, that can't hold me back anymore. That's not an excuse anymore. I am self-reliant and I can plant the seeds and reap what I sow and have the kind of garden that I want. Being I mean, single is... Is Starlight's gardens. I'm just, I got a million metaphors. You, really you do. Pretty. You have a million gorgeous metaphors. Being single, it really, it really is one of the best things that you can do for yourself. Or just shifting your mindset is one of the best things that you can do for yourself. I really, really wish it for the women in their early 20s to just slow your roll on... I have a partner and this partnership is so important and the partnership is the most important thing. Slow your role and really be single. Yeah. And your book is a great resource for anyone who it wants is. to be single. Tell us, how would you best read this book? Is it something that you should binge read or is it something that you should digest a little bit more slowly? That's a good question. It's not a read a chapter and then apply it. It's it has some memoir in it. I tell lots of stories. It's funny. You can read it in three hours. You can read it on your phone. You can read it on the ebook. I wanted it to be identifiable and approachable. And a lot of the points I make based on a story, and that's an easier read. And then the end is I talk about party being a party of one, being a party for one, having a party, you know, being by yourself going out alone, going out to meet other people alone. And I feel like that's a really practical end. Yeah, you give great Instagram. You have documented some uh, of your solo adventures. Tell us about some of your more recent adventures by yourself. So I'm a writer and I am inspired by Alan Hildebrand who writes about Nantucket. So I went to Nantucket for three weeks and I lived in a house by myself and I posted on TikTok every day about it. And I wanted to be honest. And I share those moments when you're like, I don't know how this grill works. Men should do grills. It's just so annoying. Those frustrations are still there, but you just have to deal with them by yourself. One of the big skill sets of being single and travel and group travel are two good ways to work on it is to be able to soothe yourself. I'm wound up about this. I'm upset about this. This isn't going my way. What are the steps that you know to take? Okay. I'm going to go out into nature. Okay. I'm going to listen to a podcast. Okay. I'm going to act and distract. Okay, I'm going to call call a friend. A problem shared is a problem halved. I have three friends I can call. The more you have that arsenal to handle the rough patches of travel, the better you're going to do in your own lane. And I feel really comfortable with, I did take those singles for a long time and we had all kinds of trouble. <laughs> um, and as a tour guide, you had to be like, no, it's going to be great. It's going to be fine. We can fix it. So what else have I done by myself? I was in New York City by myself. I met some friends for Harry Styles. And we didn't stay together. I love a hotel room by myself. I don't mind a drink by myself. And you can decide if you're... This is more of a topic of how you spend your alone time. You can decide if you're spending your alone time to spend time with yourself or if you're spending your alone time to meet other people. Hey, how you doing? Hey, we're, you're at Harry Styles too. You're actually the woman who sat next to me at Harry Styles was there by herself. She said, I came with friends three nights ago and I had to see it again and I just came by myself. So if you start looking around in the world, people are out by themselves for sure. What is your recommendation for like a great like introduction 
destination or activity for somebody who is just learning to enjoy their solo? Oh, it depends on what you like. There's a lot of spa things you can go to, you know, spa and journal and discover yourself. All over Instagram, there's beautiful young women in beautiful places having beautiful camping experiences. So if that's your deal, I think that would be great. If you are comfortable going to dinner by yourself, go to a city by yourself. Um, I have always believed this. To have a good vacation, you need a secondary agenda. You can't just be like, I'm going to see France. You have to say, I'm going to eat cheese in France. I'm going to look up the history of whatever. We're going to camp. You need a secondary sport, photography, activity. I'm going to read this book while I'm there. Um, you need a theme to a trip. I love Ireland for anyone who's by themselves. If you don't have fun in Ireland, there's something wrong with you. The other thing <laughs> is, my friends, Singles Travel International, you can go in a group by yourself, which I think is the best of both worlds a little bit. I think so, too. So, there's another it, lady who does Gals Abroad. She's online. She's very, very good. Her trips are look spectacular. I think that's um, one of my favorite ideas, to ease yourself into it, kind of takes the pressure off of plotting your whole itinerary, feeling safer while you're traveling, yeah. but I then really not having to rope somebody that you know into this trip that they're not interested in at right. all. Another thing is when you're, when I was in Nantucket, I had several people comment, you can do what you want and you can follow your own energy. You don't have to take on the other person's energy. Like they woke up cranky or they think this activity's dumb. So now we both have to hate it. And you don't have to do that when you're traveling by yourself, which is a big upside. That is one of my favorite things about solo travel is oh. uh, just being able to do what you want like a museum or something like that. Like everybody does museums differently. I don't go to a museum. I go in the gift store, all the stuff's there. Whatever's real popular. It's got a big section. I'm good. I don't need to see the whole. <laughs> <I'm done. laughs> um, and, you know, when you talk about, you don't have to travel to start some solo practices. And I talk over and over again in the book in different ways about what are your rituals with yourself? I always, I have a cooking show that I like and I watch it at noon on Saturday at lunch every week. I read the paper on Monday night because I let them pile up. I You have to figure those things out. Um, and I believe that some of them should be out in public. I go to coffee at this place. I go to coffee, church, the museum, the park, someplace that you go out in public by yourself on a regular basis is a really healthy part of enjoying your solo exercise class, any of that stuff. Yeah. And it's just so important now too, that a lot of us have maybe had to abandon those rituals because of COVID. Yeah. And now that everything is opening back up and getting a little bit more normal, that it is, it's more possible to, to live like this again and to just yeah. reevaluate, like, how do I want to do this now that things are changed now that I've had a hiatus from doing these activities. Do not wait for a partner. I actually, one of the examples I give in the book is I love a food festival. Mm. And I dislike going with another person because I, you got to go, would you do it? Can you at least say, and if you're by yourself, you can just get around faster. You can, it's more fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you don't, if the line is long for something that you really want, you don't have to ask someone, do you want to stand in the line? And yeah, no, you can go do whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. You can try the weirdest thing that everyone else would be like, ew, I don't want that. And you're like, no, I'm getting that. The other thing is I, my power to eat all the things is pretty good. And I don't like it questioned or judged. <laughs> and you don't have to split anything with anyone. You don't have to split anything. You don't have to be like, yeah, I am having another one. Mm -hmm. Or you don't have to be like, oh yeah, no, you can, 
You you liked this. You can have the rest of this when you really want it. There's no sharing. There's no sharing. Well, the resources are yours, which is the ups. I literally don't understand why the marketers don't take more advantage of that. The number one group of people buying new homes is single women. Although I did see at a Whole Foods, snacks for one, food for one. I mean, it's it's going to change quickly, I think. I think. And we're going to make that happen as well. We're going to make the space as big as the mommy blogger space. I mean, maybe. I think we can. I think we can. All right. I'm in. Yeah, let's do it. Tell people where they can find your book. Amazon. Amazon will bring it right to you. And there's an ebook version and a print version. And I have a newsletter. I have a beginning newsletter at donmarydelia.com. So you can sign up for the newsletter there. Wonderful. Uh, tell us where we can find you on social media. At Enjoy Your Solo, both on TikTok and on Instagram. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure. And my goal is to write a, is to write a second book on alone time and use mm-hmm. simple concepts because I think they're the two are really closely related. And alone time is more popular than ever, just like being single is. As it should be. All of it is completely underrated. Yeah. It's it's almost that thing where like you don't want to tell people like about your favorite like dry cleaner or a hairdresser or something like that because you don't want everyone else to go there. I'm actually looking for media outlets to push my message, my holiday message of how are you treating the family of one in your family? Are you having the person walk in the door and be like, I never liked that guy. I'm glad you're alone. Or are you saying, when are you going to meet someone? We have to work on that around the family table. When somebody asks you, so you're still single, you know, you can deflect, connect, or blow them off if you want. Because that's a tough question. Why are you still single? Who are you dating? And you don't have to spend your time and those interactions this holiday season. That is a great way to end. That's a great (laughs) message to go out on. I love that. Deflect, connect. Redirect or redirect redirect yourself. Yeah. You want some more wine, Aunt Martha? More wine? Do you need a muffin? Yeah, just move (laughs) up. But don't, but you know, you can deflect by saying, oh, you know, I'm meeting a lot of candidates or I'm waiting for my prince or you can say something like that. Or you can say to the person, yeah, I'm still single. I'm waiting for someone or I'm still single and I'm thriving. Don't miss the chance to connect. Be mindful that they're just asking, are you happy and secure? And traditionally, happy and secure meant being in a partnership. And that is changing. And we're changing it. We're happy and we're single. Yeah. Happy being single. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing all of this. My pleasure. Thank you so much. You can find us online, spinsterlife.com. You can listen to the podcast online, spinsterlifepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at livingthespinsterlife. And you can sign up for the Substack newsletter. We are the Spinster Life on Substack. Thanks for listening. We'll see you later.